listening to IMHO, in my humble opinion. Yay! Okay, okay, time for a little audience participation. Stand in this puddle right here. There you go, both feet. There you are. Now, grab these two wires. What? <laughs> IMHO, in my humble opinion. Welcome to IMHO. My name is Lon. We are indeed back at it. I am back in the saddle. I have pretty much kicked the butt of flus and colds and coughs and upper respiratory stuff. You probably heard the little tidbit that I tried to give you when my voice was history. Man, is that frustrating for somebody who's got a voice? Ow. <laughs> We're going to be doing a few different things today, shifting it up a little bit. Frankly, I'm sort of flying by the seat of my pants. Usually I've got a laid out uh, grid of what I'll be doing during the show, and I've sort of got that. I'll be touching on that and letting you know what the subjects of this episode are, for example. That's coming up. I've got to find my notes, but I could not wait. I wanted to say hello and get back to it here. And... With the theme of positivity that we try and do here at IMHO, that is no different this time. This uh, broadcast is being recorded just after the fires in Paris, Notre Dame Cathedral, and whenever there's any kind of negativity or emergency or anything along that line, I've always thought... Watch for the helpers, watch for the seekers, watch for those that are making a difference and jumping in and doing it, not talking about it, not suggesting it, not saying we better act fast. No kidding, it's a fire, let's act fast. I'm talking about the priest who helped save the crown of thorns from Notre Dame as showing no fear. And whether you're religious or not, whether you're a Christian believer or not, frankly, all that's immaterial. The sheer history of all of this is amazing. Well, it's been said that there's no way they were keeping this priest on the sideline. Father Jean-Marc Fournier, who is a Catholic priest and the chaplain of the Paris Fire Brigade, accompanied the firefighters into burning Notre Dame to save the crown of thorns from the flames. And he reportedly insisted on being allowed to enter the building to help and do just that. Given his history of putting himself in harm's way to uh, help others, Really not a surprise to those that know him. In 2015, Fournier was on hand to help the injured and pray over the dead in the aftermath of the bomb attacks in Paris. And he also served in the diocese of the French Armed, French armed Forces in Afghanistan. A member of the emergency services called Fournier an absolute hero for his role saving that relic, as well as the Blessed Sacrament, the name of the consecrated bread and wine in Catholic services. They said he showed no fear at all as he made his way straight to the relics inside the cathedral, made sure they were saved. He deals with life and death every day and shows no fear. Father Fournier the priest that saved the sacrament and the crown of thorns. Just a good thing in this world that we live in. 
This is IMHO. My name is Lon. We will be right back. Hey everybody, this is Johnny Lee, and you listen to my friend Lon. Could the person that has the voodoo doll of me, would, would you mind scratching its back? I'm on the air, and I, I can't quite reach that one spot. I am a Joe. Tell everybody. Thank you. Be very quiet. We're hunting rabbits. Nah, not really. I thought I'd do something a little bit different and take you on my search for the perfect spot for a mason bee house. Going to be raising mason bees, and I'll be getting into some of the details on that just to help you out if you're interested in it. Kind of a cool story. They are the native bees in the United States before honeybees were introduced. So they are prolific uh, pollinators. They are, in fact, they pollinate about three times as much as the honeybee. That kind of gives you an idea. Their whole entire life exists for mating, egg laying, feeding, and pollinating. That's it. They don't hive they live in small houses with reeds in them, uh, lay the eggs in a reed. And the reason they're called mason bees is because they will, the female will go into one of these reeds, lay an egg, lay a blob of pollen and nectar, and put up a little masonry wall, repeat the process until that reed is full. And then she'll go to the next one and lay eggs there so that when they hatch, they come out of their egg, they go to the larvae stage, they eat the pollen, and then they eat their way out. Just kind of a, a little tidbit as to why they're called the mason bee. But anyway, I've got a couple of houses that I'm putting in my yard, calling it Bee Street at Restapa Ranch. You can look up Restapa Ranch on Facebook if you want to. And I'm taking you along on the, for the ride. Uh, I've got one of them placed already. It's lower to the ground, so those that want to nest there can do it. The other one, I'm looking for the perfect location, oh, in the neighborhood of five-ish, six feet off the ground. That's the perfect. Uh, so that's what we're looking for today. And I just figured I'd take you along for the walk. <laughs> out in nature, out in my yard, kind of hanging in the shade and partial sunshine in the desert today. It's supposed to be up to about 84. So this would be an ideal day to release at least some of my bees. So that's what's going on. Just a real quick thing. Uh, like I say, I'll come back and I'll give you more details on the bees and what's going on and so on and so forth. But for now, I'm going to go out into the foliage. I'm big hand up me, and this is just a thought. Don't take selfies in the bathroom. There are just too many negative possibilities. Three things in life that will always tell you the truth. Young kids, drunks, 
and yoga pants. And you know the bread is good if the bag comes in a bag. I'm Big Hand Up Me, and that is just a thought. Good day. You're listening to IMHO. In my humble opinion, respect it. Hey, it's Lon. Do you think that brushing your teeth alone is enough? No, you need IMHO in your life as well. It'll make your teeth cleaner, your shirts brighter, your dogs bark louder. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll be right back. Welcome to IMHO. My name is Lon. I am in the studio, in the captain's chair, back in the seat, back in the saddle, ready to get this done. IMHO, your oasis in a world full of ick. (laughs) And the kind of humor you ain't going to find on no popsicle stick, let's put it that way. I've got positivity. I've got things that help all of us. I don't judge I try not to pontificate. If I ever do, bust me. You can talk back to me at anchor.fm. You can leave a message either vocal or written, and you can always do that. Whether you have a gripe, whether you have a a praise, whether you have an idea, fire away. Do it. And you can always go to leaddogonair at gmail.com as well. L-E-A-D-D-O-G-O-N-A-I-R at gmail.com. Continuing from earlier, I took you on a little field trip out into my backyard. Uh, I have been placing bees this spring. And in fact, I just got a batch of, uh, when I recorded that earlier segment, I had just gotten a batch of blue mason bees. These are native to North America. They were here long before the honeybees were here. I mentioned that in the segment. And the fact is, they pollinate in the neighborhood of three times as much as a honeybee. Their whole life is to gather pollen, to eat it, to create nectar, to uh, mate with the females. That's the male's goal. Female is to create eggs, to create the tubes that I was speaking of in the first section, fill them with those eggs, and then their own life is only in the neighborhood of of about 10 weeks old. So their whole thought is feed, propagate, ready, go. They don't make hives, they don't make honey, they don't gather, they're individual. And that's why they do three times as much. I released, uh, let's see, what was it, 50 blue mason bees, and we've seen a few of them in the neighborhood. In fact, we have... uh, Let's see, oleanders, there we go, that's the word I'm after. We have oleanders that grow here in the desert, and they like the little red trumpets. So we've seen a few of our children, they grow up so fast. (laughs) These guys hit the wind, too, I'm telling you. As soon as you release them, the boys go looking for the girls, 
And then when the girls emerge a little while later, they go looking for a place to lay eggs. So it's like, okay, bye, parade wave. <laughs> but we have seen some of the little males hanging around. We know they are because they're uh, bl bright, shiny blue. And the males have little teeny tiny white mohawks. It's cool. So the mason bees are back, and then uh, recently, within the last week or so, after adding more flowers and more different things to Bee Street at Restapaw Ranch, we got some leafcutter bees. Basically, very similar bee. They still propagate, they still pollinate, they still are individual as opposed to hive. They don't make honey. What sets them apart is they look a little tiny bit more like a traditional bee. Uh, they are, they have stripes, uh, four wings, like all bees do, but they're not the bright shiny blue of the masons. These guys are leafcutter bees. They do the same thing. The males emerge first, the females second. Males go out looking for any female they can find. Much like teenagers in the human form. <laughs> and then the females emerge a little while later, they start looking for a place to lay their eggs. So usually you put the little cocoons near a home, they will return to that. That's the theory. Uh, we released 75 of those total. So you figure... All told, in theory, if they all survive and they all lay the proper amount of eggs, three to five in a tube, in theory, we should have created approximately 200 bees for next spring. I know on the big giant scale, that's not a big giant scale, but when you think about it, each one of those then will pollinate three times as much as the average honeybee, they too will find mates and lay eggs and find mates and lay eggs and find mates and lay eggs. And we will supplement that in spring by buying larvae, buying the pods, putting them into our houses and having our own little brood. So that's kind of the capsule version. Oh, and I almost forgot. Ah, oh, that was close. I almost forgot. The reason they are called leafcutter bees is because when they are large enough and they have laid their own eggs, they do the same thing. They will put in a little pod of pollen, a little pod of nectar, an egg, except they will patch that wall with a tiny little patch of green, a leaf that they have cut it from. They don't destroy it like the worms and cat caterpillars, things like that. You would hardly see the leaf hole, the leaf punch that they have taken out. But anyway, I kind of digress a bit. They take that little patch of leaf, put it into that hole, seal it with their saliva, and then repeat the process. There, whew, now I've told you the story, basically of B Street at Restapal Ranch. We'll keep you in tune to that. And like I mentioned earlier, you can always go to our Facebook page, Restapal Ranch. It's on Facebook, or you can just use hashtag Restapal Ranch. That'll bring you to some of our posts, some of our pictures, and some of what we do with animals here in the desert. Okay. Time for me to take a breath. And it's about time to get rid of some coffee, too. So I shall return, but only 
after I let you know that what's coming up is the next segment, social media. Is it becoming the death of being social? Going to be asking that question, going to be answering that too, giving that some thought. And we will also be saying, you know, you really stink. Things you can say to your dog, but probably not to your spouse. All that is coming up on IMHL. Aren't you glad you came here? Aren't you glad? For coming back. I know I was going to, so I appreciate your loyalty and you doing it as well. Welcome to IMHO. If you like what you hear, if you would do me a favor, tell everybody. Share it on Facebook if you see the post come up. Tell everybody. <laughs> we want to make this thing grow. An oasis of positivity out here in the desert, if you will. And if there's ever anything you don't like about it, tell me. I gave you the email address earlier. I'll do it again later in the show. And you can always go to the voicemail or messaging on anchor.fm and leave it there as well. You can use same venues for answering questions, for raising questions, for getting your comments here. And if you want to get credit for it, leave me your name and your information and I'll make sure you get credit for it. So, the question is before us. Is social media becoming the death of being social? Whew, that's something to think about, isn't it? We know for sure that Facebook, for example, and I'm not picking on them, I just picked them first, if you will. Uh, We know that Facebook, for example, was initially set up to be a connection with family, connection with friends, to get together with people that you might not normally have done so. And it is still that to a degree, but any of you out there, can you not feel that it has a kind of become an addictive thing that now all of a sudden we as adults, we need people to like us. Oh man, come on. Yeah, you know what? And I'm guilty too. I'm not pointing any fingers at all because I'm guilty as well. I've had days where I base my mood, if you will, on the number of likes a picture got, on the number of likes that something I wrote as an original, well thought piece. Two likes. And we go back to that wounded child, don't we? I mean, we turn into that little kid all over again that they didn't like it. 
we need to get past that. A lot of people, myself included, have learned to take a break from it. When you feel yourself opening up your page, looking at that first first news feed and going, I can't do this today, then don't. It's like any other thing we do. Instead of whining about it and tearing down statues and having people change everything, hit the switch. There's an on and off switch on everything. Turn it off, walk away, go plant a flower, go pet your dog, go hug your child, go look at the sun, smell the flowers. My point being, we can't allow social media to do that much taking over. I give a case in point. It was the sixth birthday of Bowers Munchkin, a lady's son, and as many mothers now do, she marked the occasion by writing a long social media tribute to everything she loved about her child. But she also used the post to lament the fact that her photos of him weren't getting as many likes as those of other children. She said, I believe that it wasn't him, that it was on me, she fretted. My insufficiency caused this statistical deficit, because obviously my little munch should get all the love, and squinty eyes are just totally adorable. Well, Bauer's post went viral after hundreds of comments, and hundreds more lodged negative feedback about her assessing her child's appeal based on the likes that was received. Sound familiar? Well, she later deleted that post, and the incident highlighted just how far social media has come from its original humbler purpose, like I mentioned, to connect friends and family. Nowadays, moms like Bauer aren't just posting family photos to share their lives. They're doing it for money. The new influencer marketing mentality and industry is expected to grow to a $10 billion industry by the year 2020, according to Media Kicks. And that means that the old promise of connecting people has evolved into a toxic, commercialized landscape that really kind of seems to have forgotten what it's supposed to be about. Four factors kind of contribute to that. First and foremost, social media has become a marketplace first. Facebook is a prime example of a social network that has become more about quantity and commercializing rather than a place to connect with friends and family. While the platform's actual viewership has slowly considerably dropped in recent years, Its ad revenue actually jumped by 42% last year, and that demonstrates the company's aptitude for making money over its aptitude to forge connections. Think about it. Facebook has acquired other popular social networks only to see their founders quit very shortly thereafter. An example of that, the co-founder of WhatsApp left over data privacy clashes after Facebook pushed it to change its terms of service to give the larger social network access to WhatsApp users' phone numbers and to look into advertising to those users. The second 
commoditizing social status via likes is actually detrimental to a human's mental health. Multiple studies have shown that the psychological effects of likes, comments, and shares are proving detrimental to the health of the general population. That sounds familiar too, doesn't it? One study reported in the American Journal of Epidemiology found that liking more posts was tied to worse worse mental and physical health and decreased life satisfaction, while another study by the University of Copenhagen found that many people suffer from what's called Facebook envy, the concept of being jealous of friends' activities on social media. Those that post their pictures of their beautiful, beautiful vacations and such. Facebook envy. And it kind of brings out the troll in people. The design of Facebook in particular has caused what researchers have called a context collapse, where users are locked into a single persona by the platform. This occurs despite sociologist agreement that we have and display different aspects of our identities depending on what situation we are in. When we're at work versus at a bar, we act differently. The single persona we create on Facebook has led led us to (laughs) self-edit. I'm going to come back in a second and we'll do number three and number four. It has to do with personal data on social media and being forced into a publishing mode environment as users of social media. I shall return. Be right back. Thank you for sticking around and coming back. I appreciate that. We are talking about whether or not social media... I had my stuff almost fall off. (laughs) Not that stuff. My my equipment. Not that equipment. Wow, this is getting bad. Okay, let me start over. Hey, welcome back (laughs) to IMHO. We are talking about whether or not social media is actually leading to the death of being social. And we have touched on the fact that it has indeed become kind of a bad thing. We really have detrimental health aspects to when we hang on to likes and we look multiple times a day to see whether somebody has shared or commented or liked. It's 
taking us back to that wounded child, like I mentioned earlier. And I say again, I am not immune. I'm not pointing fingers because I have done the same thing. I'll post a picture of a rescued dog that I've done whatever with. I brought him out of his shell. I did this and I get two likes. Somebody else eats a piece of toast in the shower and they're half naked and they get 412 likes and 13 shares. Ow. As humans, that hurts. <laughs> but it is self-created pain. This is social media. This is something that did not exist 20 years ago. How did we ever live? Well, the fact is we did. We got through it. We worked it. We actually looked each other in the eye, shook hands, and hugged each other, and helped each other out of the curb. We were human. I think we have kind of dehumanized a bit. Anyway, I digress. The list was four numbers long, and I'm making it about a half an hour. The number three on the list of why social media might be the death of being social. Personal data is being bought and sold to the highest bidder. Third-party data brokers or companies that buy and sell information on customers have become massively influential in the era of big data. For social media platforms which capture large amounts of data, these transactions present an enormous new stream of revenue. Oh, shock. <laughs> uh -huh. And that said, we have to be aware that most social media users don't understand the value of their own personal data, and it's become more common to accidentally expose themselves to malicious activity. Facebook users in particular were outraged when the third-party data firm got its hands on personal data for as many as 87 million Facebook users without their permission. While that breach was the most publicized one, there have been additional since then. So the smaller version adds up to the larger version. And in these privacy breaches, if they don't end, users can only expect steeper consequences in the future. Be aware. And the number four on this list, users are being forced into a sensationalized publishing media environment and mentality. Today's social publishing environment rewards sensationalized contents clickbait as we all know it, thereby damaging healthy relationships online. We as humans don't know which one's smoke and which one's mirrors. These platforms reward engagement by highlighting highly liked posts, the ones that have the naked person eating toast in the shower, accustomizing social media users to attempting to post that sensationalized content themselves. Rewarding the dog for barking. This attention-seeking behavior has left people vulnerable to dangerous propaganda and influence campaigns. Last year, teenagers infamously filmed themselves ingesting Tide Pods in attempts to gain more attention and followers, while more seriously... Russian government operatives posted political propaganda on Facebook that reached, reached 
126 million Americans just before the election. The platform is also being taken to task for allowing hate speech among extremist politicians, for example, in Myanmar, which later contributed to genocide. What was once a seemingly harmless platform has now evolved into a powerful machine that, due to confusing hate speech and policies and privacy changes, has set dangerous precedents for the future of social media. So answer the question, if you will. Is social media becoming the death of being social? Let me know. Check in at anchor.fm. You can leave a voicemail there. You can leave a written answer there. Or you can go to our inbox at L-E-A-D-D-O-G-O-N-A-I-R-A-I-R. <laughs> Lead dog on air at gmail.com. And leave your information there as well. Answer the question. Or if you want to pose another one, that's cool too. This is IMHO. We're going to come back and wrap it up with something maybe a little bit more fun. Things you can say to your dog, but you probably shouldn't say that to your spouse. That's coming up on IMHO. I hope you come back too. Nancy Hand and the In the Corner Band. Thank you. We'll be back in just a sec. Glad you came back. Thank you. Welcome to the last segment here on IMHO, in my humble opinion. If you like what you hear, tell everybody. Tell everybody. Tell your friends. Tell your boss. Tell your boss's boss. Tell my boss. Wait, I'm the boss. Anyway, tell everybody. Spread the word. We want to make this an oasis in the world of ich can come here anytime you want. You can find IMHO on multiple platforms, Anchor, iTunes, Google, bunch of different places. So check it out. Anchor.fm is where it all starts. So you might want to start there and you can leave a voicemail there. You can always leave a written message there, or you can always get us at the inbox lead dog on air at gmail.com. 
So let us know. Answer some of the questions. Leave questions of your own, future topics, whatever. This is an open platform. My name is Lon. You can always get to me. Got a few people that uh, filter it for me, but you'll get here. We'll talk. We'll do this. And if you want me to give you credit, give me your name. Give me an alias if you want to do that. Makes no difference. That's just fine. Just do it. Interact and tell your friends. And if there's ever anything you don't like, same address, same place, voicemail, messaging, email. Let me know. Let us know how we could improve it. We've talked in this episode about bees, about how the natives that we put out there are going to be pollinating three times as much as any honeybees do. They are busy little bees. I'll give you updates on that. And the other was the social media thing. Is social media the death of being social? Have we become keyboard warriors? Have we become internet trolls? It's almost redundant to call somebody ignorant or what have you online. It's much easier and quicker to just post your opinion and wait for them to reveal it to the world on their own, isn't it? Wouldn't that be easier? (laughs) But I kind of get off point. Anyway, if you have anything to say about the social media question, you can always address that as well. And... The I'll get you future topics. This this episode was kind of flying by the seat of the pants, like I mentioned when I first started, because I had gotten over some things that nearly dropped me. Nearly dropped me, but it didn't work, did it, Alice? <laughs> anyway, the up-and-coming topics will be just like today. They'll be controversial. They'll be fun. They'll be whatever you want them to be. Interact with IMHO and make it happen. So the last segment, like I mentioned, is just a tad bit more fun, if you will. Things you can say to your dog, but probably shouldn't say to your spouse. Some of these are good. They were contributed by people that I know. Two people today alone gave me a couple that I should use. So, things you can say to your dog, but not your spouse. Why must you always poop right when I bring you home from the park? <laughs> Things you can say to your dog, but not to your spouse. Don't drag your ass on the carpet and get off my bed and don't lick me after you've licked yourself. That's nasty. Things you can say to your spouse, but not your dog. Whew, you got some nasty breaths. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. That one got me. Who's the good boy? Who's the good boy? (laughs) Things you can say to your dog, but probably shouldn't say to your spouse. (laughs) Oh, the classic. You bitch. (laughs) And last but not least, why do you always start licking yourself as soon as you sit next to me on the couch? <laughs> Things you can say to your dog, but probably not your spouse.
Well, how about that? There you have it. You survived another episode of IMHO, in my humble opinion. My name is Lon. I'm going to get back on the regular track. I try to get these out first and the 15th. So I'm going to see if I can squeeze another one out in about six days here and get you a new one about the first of the month and then get back on track from there. Thank you very much for your patience. Thanks for the good words. Thanks for the support. Thanks for all of it. Without you, this is nothing. And I'll leave you with my parting shot. Always listen when an old dog barks. For IMHO, I'm Lon, and I'm out.